everybody, and welcome to Explain It To Me Like I'm a 10-Year-Old. Today, I'm very lucky to have Kim Berman with me. She's been working at the International Rescue Committee for over 10 years. The International Rescue Committee is an organization that helps refugees around the world. She's worked there as a volunteer, advisor, and writer in Africa that help refugees. Kim also has a bachelor's degree from the University of Pennsylvania in psychology and urban development and a master's in public administration from NYU. Today, she's gonna to discuss her experience working in Africa and the ongoing Ukrainian refugee crisis. Hi, Kim, how are you doing today? Hi, Charlie, I'm doing great and I'm so excited to be here with you. Same here, I'm really excited to, to learn more about your experiences and you know the things that are going on. So, you know, my first question for you is just let's cut to the chase. Um, what can we do to help refugees? It's a great question. And I love that your first question is about actions that you can take. So refugees around the world, I think the most important thing that we can do is to listen to them and try and better understand what their situations are. So as you know, I work for International Rescue Committee, and so we're working really closely with local communities to better understand their needs and help provide assistance and services that help them reach their goals. So that could be helping them get jobs, helping them access hospitals or health services. Um, so I think one thing you can do and everyone at home can do is to learn and to read the news and stay informed about refugee issues. And then also consider donating um, money to organizations like IRC that are working hand in hand with communities to help them. Yes, can you tell me a, a bit more about what you did specifically working in Africa? Sure. So the work that I do, I'm a technical advisor at IRC, and I work on our economic recovery and development team. So that's a team that's really dedicated to helping people uh, earn income and have more you know, self-reliance. And what that means is basically helping refugees and host community members around the world um, find jobs, start businesses, and, and do the things that they need to do so that they can support their own families. So the work that I do, we've got country offices all over the world, and I focus on supporting my colleagues in East Africa. So I work a lot in Kenya and in Uganda, um, helping our teams design programs and help them run, uh, yeah, run programs that help people find jobs and start businesses. So I lived in Nairobi for a couple of years and I was doing similar work there, um, also helping fundraise for the IRC. Uh, but now my work is focused on, on livelihoods and helping people um, with our economic programming. So how did you help the refugees start businesses? Were there any like, can you tell us more about the programs you mentioned? Sure, I'd love to. So if you can imagine, if you can try and put yourself in a refugee's shoes, maybe you fled because of a difficult political situation and you're in a new country, um, there are lots of challenges, right? And one of the first challenges that people often face is, how am I going to get money to support my family? So you might not, you know, refugees might not know anybody in their new country. They might not even speak that language. They might not have skills that they are that are relevant for the labor market. 
So what IRC is currently doing all over the world um, is we're helping people to start businesses by supporting them with business skills training. So we help them to learn how to make a business plan, how to budget, how to save money, um, all of these things that sort of help them really get started in their journey as an entrepreneur. But business skills alone aren't the only thing you need to start a business, right? You also need money, you need capital, and that can be really difficult for refugees to access. So IRC also provides business grants. So we'll actually give cash to entrepreneurs um, to help those refugees and host community members start their own business. So a lot of our work, it's a combination of cash and business grants and skills training um, and yeah, other kind of mentoring support to help people in their business journey. You know, can you, can you use an example of a business that a refugee would start through this program? Yeah, that's such a good question. And the answer is, it could be anything, right? So what we IRC tries to do is help them, help refugees and host community members identify what does the community need? So maybe they are interested in becoming a tailor and there aren't enough tailors or seamstresses in their community. Um, lots of refugees start restaurants or, uh, or businesses like a barbershop or a salon. Um, others may be involved in a recycling business or a solar company doing solar energy. So there are lots of different ways it can look, lots of different businesses. Um, it depends on what are the refugees interested in, what skills do they want to learn, um, and also what does the community around them need. So can you go into a bit more detail about the challenges that you face as you know a refugee trying to start a business? Are there any like other things? that really come up that make it really hard to do so? Yeah, absolutely. So we talked a little bit about, you know, language can be difficult. And when you're new to a community, you might not have those sort of social networks, the friends that might help you start a business. Um, one other thing that's a big challenge for refugees is also documentation. So you need, um, in a lot of countries, you need a work permit or you need special business registration or special ID cards in order to be able to start a business. That can be really hard for a refugee if they've fled the country that they originally came from and they don't have any documentation anymore, right? So IRC helps to give information um, to refugees to help them understand what do they need um, in order to start a business. Um, I think a big challenge is also, as I mentioned, access to finance. So it's hard for, for refugees to find banks a lot of the time. Sometimes they're not able to get those services if they don't have uh, the right ID. So they can't get a loan, for example, or they can't find have a savings account. So that's another really big challenge. And IRC helps in that way by helping people start savings groups, um, giving business grants directly to refugees and also helping them to connect with banks that will work with them. So now, you know, we're talking a lot about the challenges that come with this. Have there been any like big success stories that you've been involved in, you know of? Can you give us a, a couple examples of when this has worked out really well and changed a couple of refugees' lives? Yeah. Oh, I love this question. This is this is the best part of the job is um, when you see people who have gone through a training and have started a business uh, all by themselves. And, and one of the biggest places, I think, where there's where you can see huge success is when 
a refugee has started that business and then they've actually hired other people. So now not only are they successful um, as an entrepreneur, now they're creating jobs in their own communities. So that's really exciting. Um, one uh, example of a, a particular business that I can think of, uh, I supported our work in Jordan in the Middle East and there was a group of Syrian refugee women who started a plumbing company. And that was really interesting because mostly plumbers are men in Jordan. And so it was really unique for women to start a plumbing company and they could go door to door and help other women in the community uh, fix the pipes and sinks and toilets and things like that in their houses. It was a really creative way for women to have a job that usually men have. So that was an exciting um, success. So there's, there's obviously a lot, you know, there's a lot of hardships in being a refugee or leaving your home and it's really tough, but these people have so much, they have so much resilience. Can you, can you tell us more about what this has taught you working with these refugees for a long time? Like, can you give us a bunch of lessons that you've personally learned from this? Oh man, I love this question. There are so many lessons that I've learned from uh, our clients and the people that we work with. You are spot on. I think resilience is the exact word that I would use too. Just a, I've seen a remarkable commitment to hard work and open-mindedness to learn new skills and stay really committed to your vision. Um, I've seen our clients demonstrate a lot of flexibility in really challenging situations. These are people who know how to uh, change their plans and, and learn new things um, in order to you know, have a new idea, start a totally new business, maybe something they've never done before. That kind of creativity and flexibility I think is amazing. I would love to, to bring that into my life. Um, and most importantly, yeah, just a real, a real commitment to, uh, yeah, to trying new things and to never giving up. I think that's the biggest thing. Resilience means never giving up to me. And I see that every day in the work that our clients do. So prior to the Ukrainian invasion, what were the, the causes of, the, of why these refugees before that were displaced? Oh, great question. So this really depends on where in the world we're talking about, right? So uh, in, in the Middle East, there are a lot of refugees coming from Syria, where I concentrate uh, my work in East Africa, refugees are coming from lots of different countries. So in Kenya, for example, there are refugees from Somalia, from Democratic Republic of Congo, from South Sudan, from Eritrea. So these are sometimes conflicts that have been going on for a really long time and people have uh, moved to Kenya or Uganda many years ago and are still there, they're still refugees. Uh, and then others are more newly arrived refugees. But one thing that I think is really important to note is around the world, sometimes we think about refugees living in refugee camps, but the truth is lots of refugees are living in cities and they're what we call urban refugees. They're living in places like Nairobi and Kampala, um, and they're not in camps that are far away. They're trying to you know, start lives and get jobs right in, in big cities. And so I think it's important when we 
when we think about refugees, we're thinking about community members and people who are, um, you know, not living in tents far away, but they're they're in cities just like us. So switching gears a little bit, what's like really happening in Ukraine with this crisis? You hear on the news that all these people are uh, immigrating to different countries, but can you give us like a really detailed summary of what's going on? Sure. I mean, it's really, it's a very sad situation what's happening in Ukraine. Uh, Since the end of February, there have been more than 4.1 million refugees who have fled Ukraine. And they're going into neighboring countries like Poland and Moldova and Romania. Um, And in fact, two and a half million of those refugees have gone to Poland. So what this means is, you know, there's been a lot of civilian harm. Um, Millions of people don't have access to food and water or hospitals. And um, it's really it's really caused a lot of challenges uh, for for people across Europe. So what we're seeing is a lot of women and children in particular are refugees, because what's happening is men are required to serve in the army. So it's a lot harder for them to leave. So we're seeing lots of um, of women and children trying to cross into safety. Uh, And the crisis in Ukraine has really far-reaching implications. A lot of people around the world require or depend on wheat and food coming from Ukraine. And so with this conflict, that's been a real challenge and it's actually making um, food supply uh, really difficult across the world. So places like Yemen and Libya and Lebanon, they all really depend on Ukraine for food. And they have, they're experiencing what's called really high food insecurity. And with this crisis in Ukraine, we're seeing not only the immediate humanitarian needs in the neighboring countries, but also this has big implications for the rest of the world too. Mm-hmm. So can you, can you tell us a bit more about what these refugees are going through? You know, what are the, what are the sacrifices they're making? Can you give us like a bit more color on what, what an average refugee goes through? Yeah, for sure. So if you can imagine, it's a really scary thing for your home country and someplace that was once really safe to feel unsafe all of a sudden. So people are really leaving Ukraine quite quickly. And so they don't even really have time to pack all of their belongings and their documents. And so they're fleeing very quickly to to get to safety in other countries. Uh, So that's really difficult. Um, they're also, you know, what we're seeing IRC is, is responding in neighboring countries. And so we're working with local partners in Poland. Part of what we're doing is trying to understand what do refugees need right now? And the vast majority of them are saying that they need jobs in new countries. They need safe shelter. They need access to money and access to food. And so you really have to try and imagine you left your home very quickly with nothing. Uh, what are the things you would need? And it's it's all of those basic uh, services. And so that's a big challenge and big sacrifice that people are making um, in leaving Ukraine. So when all these refugees go into Poland and Moldova and all these other countries like this, you know, what do the governments do and the citizens do to help at first? 
Yeah, so I think the most important thing to remember is, you know, the people who are first responders are people in the communities already. So we've seen the Polish community and, and organizations that already exist in Poland and the government sort of doing what they can to help with emergency response for, um, for these refugees. So IRC has been also supporting those, uh, those civilians and those governments to respond. So we're working really closely with partners to understand the very changing dynamic situation and helping reach vulnerable people um, and making sure that we're providing cash support to people and uh, protection services and getting essential items to refugees who cross those borders and also to, ref uh, to internally displaced people who are still in Ukraine. Mm -hmm. Can you just give us a bit more detail about the IRC and you know or organizations similar like that do to help in these in these camps like what what's going on there and what do they do? Sure. So IRC is a humanitarian organization, and we work in countries all over the world. And what we're doing in Ukraine and in Poland is working really closely with partners. And the reason we're doing that is because we want to make sure we are being efficient and that we're coordinated in how we're responding. So ways that we respond include um, helping refugees get access to essential services, so helping them get access to items like food and blankets, healthcare services. But also one thing I think is really interesting and important is helping refugees by giving them cash. And so that's a really important thing that IRC is doing um, and other partners as well because it's one of the most effective ways to help meet the needs of refugees. Instead of you know, donating tons of blankets, which is really actually very expensive, um, giving cash to people gives them the power to decide what do they want to spend on, right? And it also helps them support local economies. So if you and I, for example, were to give a bunch of diapers to uh, Ukrainian refugees in Poland, that might help them in the immediate needs, but what about all the people in Poland who sell diapers? It hurts them, right? So part of what we do is we give cash directly to people so that they can buy things in the local community um, that meet their needs uh, specifically. And, and that's all raised by you know private donors that just donate to the IRC? Yeah, so we have a mix of funding. So funding comes from people like you or, or people in the community who want to donate um, to the IRC, which you can do at rescue.org. Uh, but also we get some of our funding from the government and from foundations. And so they may give grants to IRC and then we use that money in programming. So it's a mix of donors like you and then also uh, governments and foundations and companies. <clears throat> So, you know, zooming out here, what do you think are the, the, uh, the long-term effect of this crisis, but not just on Europe, but on in the whole world? Yeah, I mean, this really does feel like it's kind of changing the face of the world. This is a really big crisis. Um, I think it's, it's a little difficult to see into the future and know exactly what's going to happen. I mean, I wish I could. Um, but what we're seeing really is millions of refugees and millions of people who have been displaced. That 
that causes challenges for a really long time. You know, that's not something that's easily solvable. So one thing that's really important to know is that humanitarian problems need to have political solutions. So the people who solve this are the people in charge of in governments. Humanitarian agencies like IRC can respond and support and help, but we can't solve the problem. Um, so in the long term, I think the risks are certainly to all the people whose lives are at risk as a result of what's happening. Um, and then also some of the long term crises like this food insecurity challenge is really going to be an important one to keep an eye on and to respond to. So I'm curious about this. Uh, when refugees uh, leave and go into a different country, mm -hmm. and if, if those, is it ever happened where the refugees would, would go back if the political issues are fixed? Yeah, definitely. So if the situation at home stabilizes, a lot of refugees want to go back home. And so that's very possible um, in situations where it's safe to do that. Sometimes it's tricky to do that because these crises are really long term and some people may not feel safe to go back. So the most important thing is if people want to go back to the home, their home countries, that they are making those decisions for themselves. We don't want to force other people, force people to go back if they're not ready to. Um, so the most important is to make sure people want to and they feel safe and secure in doing that. But sometimes it is possible. Mm -hmm. So what do you what do you think the actions of helping these do you think when we're helping these refugees in Ukraine you know do you think this will spark more attention for refugees around the world do you think like it'll have a ripple effect where there's so much attention on this that the people in the Middle East and in East Africa will get more attention you know, I'm not sure, Charlie. It's a really good question. I think, you know, because this is such big news, and I think because a lot of people were, um, have been really taken by this story in Ukraine, there's been unprecedented, rapid funding that's going straight to Ukraine. And I think it's, it's very needed, you know, that's a huge crisis and we should be responding. Um, but it's really important that people don't forget about these other crises that you're talking about in Yemen, in East Africa, uh, what's going on in Lebanon. So there's a lot of uh, other challenges that we should remember too. Sometimes I feel like people put a lot of focus on whatever the newest crisis is, but I think we have to do our best to remember the challenges that refugees are facing in Ukraine and all over the world. Yeah, diving a bit more into that, you know, a lot, a lot of people in the media are saying that Ukrainian refugees are getting more attention than African and mm -hmm. Middle Eastern refugees. You know, do you think that's true and, and why? Do you think there's other factors there? Just like the one you mentioned about, you know, it being big news. Is there anything else you think that plays a part in that? I think it's dominating the news right now. And so that's why there are a lot of people are paying a lot of attention to it. I think maybe sometimes uh, the media in the US is focused on it because it's, it's Europe and it feels closer than some other places that are farther away. Um, but I think the, I think it's, it's big news right now and it does deserve attention, but we, yeah, just shouldn't forget about other crises too. But I think that's the big reason right now is it's in Europe, it's dominating so much news 
And it's been a major focus because, it, because of the scale of the crisis and how big it is, how many people are affected and how fast it's happened. Um, but yes, it's def and it deserves attention, but also we can't forget uh, other crises around the world. Uh, can you give us a bit more context in the, the scale, like how many African refugees and Middle Eastern refugees are there versus Ukrainian refugees right now? Oh, now you're putting me on the spot with statistics. Um, so just, I just think, an estimate, just an estimate. Yeah. Just an estimate. Sorry. No, it's good. These are all these are all excellent questions. Um, it, I mean, this as far as it's going, what's going on in Ukraine, this is the the largest and and most rapid uh, refugee crisis we've seen since World War II, and so that's definitely um, really notable and why it's such a big deal. Um, but the crises elsewhere, you know, also have have had millions of refugees as well, just not in such a short amount of time. It's maybe been over a longer period of time. And so I think that's part of why uh, what's happening in Ukraine is getting a lot of attention, too. So, so when you see it just like this crisis ending, when you see like an end to the cycle of just people moving out or getting back in, like what, what when will it settle down and things will go back to normal? Mm. I wish I had an answer to this question. Um, unfortunately, I don't have a great answer to it. I have, I'm not sure when things will settle down, but what I think is important to remember is refugee crises are often really long-term and it's really hard uh, to have an end date to it. So what we need to do is we need to think about what are ways of helping people um, in a really sustainable way to make sure that they have support, the emergency support when they need it as soon as they cross borders, but then also thinking a little bit down the line long-term, um, how can we help people because we don't know when they'll be able to go home. Can you give us some examples of, you know, what, what have been going, what has been happening in like the long-term policies uh, centered trying to help the refugees in Ukraine? Um, I'm not sure about if we've even been really thinking about long-term policies yet, uh, but I can give you some examples from elsewhere in the world that might be um, helpful to think about. So one thing, as I mentioned, is really hard for refugees is getting documentation to find a job, getting work permits and, um, and registrations that allow them to do that. There are lots of other countries like Uganda, for example, where they have made it legal for refugees to work. That's a really big deal. That's a really progressive policy. And so um, the more we can do to sort of make it easier for refugees to find jobs and start businesses, that's the way that they can support themselves and contribute to the local economy too. So we'd love to see um, you know, down the line in Ukraine, longer term solutions like that. So uh, my, my final question for you today is, is just about the, the future of refugees. Mm. So, you know, the next really big wave of refugees will, will likely be caused by the climate crisis because, you know, hot areas are getting way hotter and in some places closer to the equator becoming, you know, barely habitable. So, you know, you as someone who has a lot of experience in refugee care, you know, what do you think will come up against next? 
You are so right about the climate crisis. That is a huge focus for uh, the IRC moving forward. We're trying to think about, you know, a lot of the people who are who are most affected by climate change are people like refugees who are living in communities and living in countries where they're really affected by droughts or um, flooding or too much rain um, and people who are depending on, on agriculture for, for their livelihoods. So I think you're spot on to say that that's gonna be a big challenge for, for refugees around the world moving forward. Um, and IRC and, and organizations like IRC are trying to respond by um, doing research and also programming to help communities adapt to climate change and help them respond themselves. So that's definitely an area that I think is gonna be a big focus for, for the next few years. Um, but I also think we need to be thinking about long-term crisis as we just talked about in Ukraine and elsewhere. And we need to think about what are the things that we can be doing to help refugees become self-reliant and working with local communities themselves because they're the experts in what they need. And so I think that's a big thing that in the future, we need to make sure that all of the work that we do is really centered on supporting local communities, local organizations, and local governments uh, to respond. Kim, thank you so much for being here today. I absolutely enjoyed this interview and I, and I learned a lot and I really, really feel like we can, we now, I now know what to do to help and I can't wait. Charlie, you had great questions.